Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and received support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. One of our recurring overarching themes in addressing misconceptions about ranching is the idea that ranchers are averse to technological innovation, instead choosing to operate as prior generations had, maybe out of tradition or just sheer stubbornness. We touched on this a bit in discussing cattle branding, a practice that's existed for centuries while still being the most effective way to identify cattle despite the existence of RFID tags. This episode explores the belling of cows and the intricacies of a seemingly simple practice. Belling of cows and other livestock has been practiced for millennia. Prior to advances in metalworking, bells were initially constructed from ceramic and wood. Bell design varies from region to region. Some are simply created from hammered metal, with others being works of art. They all serve the same purpose, though, to tell you, via sound, where your animals are. Livestock need to move around to find food, water, and shade. It's estimated that each cow needs at least an acre for feed. That estimate is just that. It's an estimate. As climate, topography, availability of forage, among other factors, play a role. So the animals move around a lot. Belled animals are also typically living in a more complex environments with brush, elevation changes, large trees. Line of sight is limited. The sounds emitted by the bells can carry. Cowbells also appear at certain sporting events, like Mississippi State football games, which has been a tradition since the 30s. The Sacramento Kings fan base has been ringing bells for almost two decades, prompted by then-Lakers coach Phil Jackson calling Sacramento a cow town and calling Kings fans semi-civilized. What was meant to be pejorative became embraced. I arrived at the crowds just outside of LaGrange and messaged with Brennan's to make sure I was in the right place. They confirmed that I was and told me to seek shade. The corral is nestled amongst foothills with occasional trees, an old and quite substantial non-functional rock wall. There were lots of birds and, of course, the corral. Three red-shouldered hawks were circling overhead screeching, trying to navigate the gusts of wind which made the temperature more tolerable, but the environment quite dusty. I found shade and I waited. The belling of the cows is a family affair, mostly because it requires a lot of hands. Within the span of about 10 minutes, there were four or five trucks towing horse trailers, parked with all their occupants on horseback, and already headed to the pasture to retrieve cows. In this episode, we visit Sherry and Bob Brennan, just north of LaGrange, California, to bell some cows prior to the herd's annual pilgrimage to Stanislaus National Forest at Eagle Meadows, which sits at just about 7,400 feet elevation. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, how did the shipment go today? Oh, it went good. Yeah. Complete. We got it. Got an early start to beat the heat. So there's some happy cows right now. Happy cows. Yep. The way we usually start this is just to start with an introduction of yourself and your connection to the ranch. Okay. Well, my name's Bob Brennan. Uh, born and raised in Sonora, and fifth generation on the same ranch um, from my dad's family, Irish immigrants in the north of Oakdale and Eugene area. We've been permittees on the forest for oh, probably 30 years. The cattle that we build the other day, we ship to up to our Eagle Meadows allotment. It starts at 7,500 feet up to about 85, 9,000 feet. Um, we were a little late this year because of the, all the snow. We've got some cows turned out. And we have some other grazing permits on lower country on the Stanislaus Forest also. And our son manages those permits at Duckwall and Hunter Creek. Our activity the other day was first belling the cows and then moving them up. I'd like to say, I think some people think that ranchers often will do something out of traditional purposes opposed to functional ones. Um, can, could you explain what the function of a cowbell is and how it helps when they're up in those higher eleva- elevations? Well, out on our grazing permits, because most of these permits average 30, 40,000 acres. Some of them have a lot of brush on them, a lot of, you know, big open area timber. When we bell cows, I think traditionally, ranchers bell cows to help find the cattle when you've got obviously when you got cattle on 30 40,000 acres and it's time to gather when you have an off date that's on your permit it just helps it's just a tool that ranchers use to help gather their cattle you kind of know where to go get up on a hill somewhere and listen and and uh, and the dogs learn to listen too we have some dogs that are very good we say look for the bell you know listen for the bell or cows they'll be listening and they usually pick it up before we do. It's just a tool that is very important to us. I think it's also a tool that the cows themselves use. You could drive a few cows out of the brush and they got bells on and they're kind of trotting down the trail or walking down the road. You can just tell by the tone of the bell what the cow's doing. Pretty soon the other cows say, hey, my buddies are moving. I hear them moving and, and they'll kind of come out of the brush too. So it's something that, uh, it, it, it's just a good tool. We became permittees about uh, 30, 40 years ago, and we ran on private land before that. Even before that, we ran on irrigated land around Oakdale. It used to be a lot of it. Oakdale, California had a lot of clover land that was pretty popular. And then uh, we had some private land out on the forest that we leased. And then in time, a grazing permit that neighbored that permit came available, and we were able to purchase the livestock for those that permit because we already leased the private land next to it. So it's something we've done that my dad and I started doing and then our wife Sherry and now our kids do it um, in the last uh, 40 years. When I saw the bells, they are, um, I think most of them seem to be quite old. And how did you first acquire them? Did you start making them or did you purchase them and then start making them? I think in the beginning, there were some other permittees that kind of gave up some of their permits, and then they had a large supply of bells that we purchased. We've made some bells. Now my son and I make some bells. There was a fellow here in Tuolumne County uh, that used to make bells in the in the wintertime, uh, Gail Slick, and Slick as he was known. 
and it had a C7 stamped on them, and Slick made a lot of bells that are out on the forest in Calaveras, Kwame County. So I think we acquired some from Slick, and then after that we started even building our own bell just to, to get a better, you know, and try to make the tone a nice ring to the bell so you can hear it for a long ways. For the, the process of belling itself, for someone who hasn't kind of seen the structure of how it works and how many people it kind of takes to pull off. Can you just explain the process? Yeah, her and the cattle do the shoot, the squeeze shoot, and uh, this is the fellow at the head gate. He usually puts the bell on. You kind of line your, you know, different cows have different, uh, uh, you have different length straps, and you try to get them so that you don't have an extra strap, a lot of length hanging there. Different permittees have used different ways to kind of secure it. Like a like a tie wire or bailing wire, we use zip ties now, and I know permittees even use uh, hog rings. Originally, the most of the bell straps were made out of leather, so every winter you kind of go through your bells and check straps and repair straps and and uh, neat split oil them. And now we, a lot of our bells are nylon straps; they just seem to hold up longer. Oh, it takes like you know four or five people. Sometimes a little more if, you got, if you're doing a lot of bells. You know, if you got a couple hundred cows or a couple hundred cows, then you got to have a crew to keep them coming. So you aren't uh, running out of cows in the chute and kind of want to get it done. It seems like on their first, uh, on the first pass going out there, they seem to get most of the cows on on the first turn. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, and then uh, and then in the fall when you bring your cows home, then you do the same thing over again. You pull bells. It's just kind of a routine. And a lot of times at the same time you're doing that, you're doing some of your other uh, vaccinations at the same time. Means you have the cattle in the chute. It seems that some of the cows don't love the practice as much, while seem, others seem relatively calm. Um, does that have to do with age or just general temperament on the animal? Probably temperament. And it's possible if you saw a cow or two that kind of come out and run and buck. <laughs> um, maybe they never had a bell on before. Not, we never used to bell every cow, and now we've kind of gotten a pretty bigger pile of bells. So it, uh, it sure as heck, if you, if you don't bell a cow, she's one of the ones you don't find in the fall because she doesn't have a bell on when you're gathering in the fall. Uh, you showed me a few bells that have bullet holes in them. So I guess like Baxwood's parksmen pride themselves in ringing the bells with bullets or something. How, how common is that? Yeah, I remember years ago, we had a permittee on our forest here, very involved in cattlemen at Farm Bureau. Uh, and he would say, oh, I got a bell, it's got a bullet hole. I said, man, I wonder how that ever happened. Now I know we've got we've got a little collection of them, and you, you don't see it till you pull the bell off. So I don't know if it's just, uh, usually happens probably during deer season, and somebody said, hey, let's ring the bell. And Gerald Engler, he would always talk about that. He's long since passed, but he was well known for being a permittee and cattleman in Tuolumne County. And, and uh, he would always talk about that. Now I know what he was talking about, so it's something that's happened across the forest. Speaking with you, I learned that over time, cows can kind of get better at navigating or grazing the mountainous terrain. Well, I think there's the term you'll hear uh, people talk about mountain cows. If you were to go buy some cattle that were raised on the foothill country or clover pasture during the summer and then a turn them out on the mountain country they don't usually uh, do very good their first year or two they need to learn to browse and what browse to look for 
And I think if you, you know, our cows go and then their heifers go, their calves are up there with the cows, they learn to eat the browse that's available on the forest. So it's the term mountain cow. They seem to, a mountain cow, because they get moved twice a year in a truck, you pretty much line them out and they load themselves in a truck and you open the door and you get to the ranch and you open the gate of the truck and they usually walk off. They've learned even how to just, you know, do that. I know in some herds, they have different bell tones to convey different information about the animals. In some cases, if there's herds of males and females, they'll have different tones. Do you, you utilize different tones at all or just give bells to certain cows for a certain reason? No, they no, there's no certain reason. They just get a big pile and start putting them on. So I was doing some reading, and, and I know you guys have a meeting coming up in August in regards to your experience with the rim fire. I know that's, you know, a, a long subject, but I was reading a, a quote that Sherry did before you guys are able to actually uh, get access to the land where your cows were. Oh, we were, during the rim fire, when the fire first started, we were out there already kind of gathering cattle up. Um, there were other permittees that, you know, took more of a direct hit other than us. You know, the Crooks and the Ericsons uh, took a huge hit during the rim fire. There's something we talk about that we cover, and it's like an overarching theme that, that we always talk about, but that's the idea of legacy. And you said that you're a fifth-generation rancher, is that correct? Yes. And so, and then you, you have the sixth and potentially seventh were all there belling cows. Did your kids jump right into it, wanting to do it? Or was there some convincing? Or did they have to, you know, go to school for a while, then decide that they wanted to come back and do it? Well, they went to school. They both are kids. Uh, Kendra and Nolan both went to college on rodeo scholarships. They were involved with high school and college rodeo. And uh, Kendra got a degree at Fresno State and came back and still uses that degree. Our son started, and after about a year or so of college, he said, I want to go home and work. And so that's what we do. Sherry and I both, Sherry graduated from Cal Poly with, with a degree. Um, I did the same thing pretty much. Nolan went to Cal Poly uh, after some junior college and then thought I needed to come home and work. So I, I never finished also. And it seems like some of the seventh generation ones also seem to have interest. You had some, some younger helpers there. I don't know what their ages were. Our grandsons were there, Cooper and Jack. Yeah, they got their horses, and and they just, every time we go to the mountains, they say, Eagle Meadows, we miss you. And then we left today. They helped me on the last load to the country and up there, and they just, they just love it. And so it seems like they're probably going to be on board uh, moving forward, too. Yeah, and I think our son and, and his, his wife, Jamie, and they're expecting, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it'd be much different with them also. I want to thank you for allowing me to, to come visit you on what is an insanely busy day. Sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it was the first time I've ever got to participate. We've been talking about this for a while. And, uh, yeah. and it was, the date was always a moving target. Was that, that was specifically <laughs> because, of, because of the snow? Up in the mountains? The snow and the weather and a lot of times when we, you know, things change and when we could put a crew together. Well, thank you again. Okay, thank you thank very you. much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Good night.
If you'd like to see pictures of our travels, we have an Instagram account at Calcutta Country. You can also see a gallery of photos at www.calcattlecouncil.org. We love your feedback. You can send any of it to ryan at calcattle.org. We'll be back on the 31st of July. Thanks for listening.